Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Koop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada. This morning, we're talking about managing your relationships. Uh, we started this whole series in, in November on how to manage your life. The first one was on how to manage your moods. Some days you're in a good mood, some days you're in a bad mood, some days you're up, some days you're down. You have your good hair days and your bad hair days. But if you live by those, how I many know life's not going to go very good for you? We're instructed to live by faith, not by our moods. But you can manage your moods. And if you missed that, you can go online, catch it there, listen to the podcast or watch it online. Then the next one was how to manage your words. Words are containers. They can have life or they can death, have death in them. Uh, there's power and life in the tongue. And where you're going to be a year from now, where you're going to be five years from now, is really related to the words you speak. James said, your tongue is a rudder. James, who wrote the book of James, uh, the first pastor there in Jerusalem, spoke not just to that church, but to all of us, that your tongue, really important as far as where you're going to end up in life. And then thirdly, last week, we talked about managing your choices. Deuteronomy, God said, I said before you, life and death, blessing, cursing, therefore you choose. He's not going to choose. You choose. One of the greatest gifts we have is the gift of free choice. You choose that you and your seed may live, not just for you, but for the next generation, make the right choice. So that was those three preceding this one. Today we're going to talk about managing your relationships. And of course, they're all interwoven, tied together. So today, talking about relationships. In the Vancouver Sun yesterday, there's an article called Vancouver Hooked on the Social Media Buzz. It gives a good snapshot of where we are as Vancouverites in this social scene and really even about relationships. Read just a little bit of this article to you. It says, Vancouverites are more addicted to social media than anyone else in Canada, according to Angus Reid Poll. Does that surprise us? We're addicted to uh, social media. Uh, and then it says here, back in a second, I have to tweet that. <laughs> However, all that online social networking doesn't make us the least lonely Canadians with people in Vancouver vying for those in Montreal for the distinction of being the Canadians feeling the least connected with friends and family as this holiday season approaches. Christmas is coming, and it's a season in your life. If you're lonely, that loneliness is amplified. If you have a good relationship with family and friends, that's amplified. And Christmas can be a great season of your life, or it can be a depressing season of your life, just depending on your connectiveness with others. It says in Edmonton, 80% of those polled felt that they felt very connected at this time of year, whereas in Vancouver, only 69% say they felt they were really connected. The poll found that 75% of the social media users across Canada check their text. Listen closely. 75%, the people that use social media, they check their text messages or email social networking sites first thing when they get out of bed in the morning and the last thing they do before they go to sleep at night. In Vancouver, social media rules with 40% of social media users saying they can't imagine life without it, compared to Edmonton, for example, with 23%. The article goes on to say uh, a social anthropologist by the name of Ellen Karp said the survey confirms that while people like social media, they still prefer face-to-face -face communications when it comes to their family and closest friends. She says, a survey clearly shows us that the warm and fuzzies, the feelings of true connectiveness, come from face-to-face -face encounters. Social media are eating up a lot of our time. Across Canada, 23% of social media users 
are on social media from 10 to 20 hours a week. 7% spend more than 20 hours a week online, a figure that suggests they might have little time left for face-to-face encounters. One in five Canadians who are online believe they are at the risk of social media burnout, and 47% say they'd like to have a social media-free day. Take it away for a day. Is our obsession with social media ending our social skills? Alan Carp says we think it is because pointing to survey results, it indicates Canadians share this view. The message from this could be that we're raising generations that are not as savvy about making those interpersonal connections. So this morning we're going to talk about how to make personal connections. How do we manage our relationships? Obviously you manage your Facebook, if you have that, you manage your, your Twitter, you manage that. You manage the different relationships you have in your life. It could be with your coworkers. It could be with your family members. It could be with uh, the people in your building, your community. You manage all kinds of different relationships. But today we're going to back this thing even further up, and we're going to go to the headwaters and say, what do we do to build good relationships? First of all, we have to establish that you and I are designed or created for relationship. And uh, Carnegie... Technical Institute said this, that 90% of the people who fail in their lives or in their vocation fail, 90%, that's a lot, 90% who fail in their vocations, they said fail according to this, that because of this, that they can't get along with other people. So our destiny, where we're going in life, is really related to how well we get along with other people, our personal relationship skills and how we can do that. God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. Therefore, let us make Facebook. (laughs) No, it didn't say that. As good as Facebook is, and it's a tool, and it can help us, but that won't do it. No, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. I'm going to make families. I'm going to introduce relationships because it's not good for him to be alone. We live in a world that has a challenge with loneliness. Vancouver has a challenge with loneliness. We have 60% of the population that lives downtown live by themselves. One study I read said that two-thirds of those people, or is it half of those people, eat all their meals every day alone. And so there's this challenge of loneliness in our city. And you can have friends and family and go to work, and you can still feel lonely that you don't have personal connectiveness. We're designed for that. We're healthy when we have relationships with other people. So today we're going to review how do, we, how do we grow? How do we manage relationships? What's the foundation for that? So we have to understand that there are three types of relationships. In your notes, you have Matthew 25 or 22, verses 35 to 40. So pull out your notes. I'm going to read out of the Message Bible. It would be good out of any translation, but we picked this one. It's easy to understand. One of the religion scholars other translation says a lawyer, spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show him up. They're, they're challenging Jesus. They're trying to trick him, and they ask him this question. Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? So of all the, all the things we're supposed to do, what is the most important? And this is the question to Jesus. Jesus said, love the Lord. So if you want to circle things today, because uh, all the blanks have been filled in. You know, so no, no homework today, all the blanks filled in. We made it really easy for you. So all we're going to ask you to do is circle a few things. And again, you don't have to if you don't want to. I understand that. You know, a lady came up to me one time and says, I am not in school. I didn't come here to do homework. I'm filling blanks or circle things. I just came to listen. If that's you, that's okay. I just for some of us, if we circle it, we remember it better. All right? So... Uh, just whatever works for you, okay? But if it works for you, circle, love the Lord. 
Would you say that with me? Love the Lord. Okay, number one, love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, with all you've got, love God. That's the first commandment. This is the most important, the first one on any list. But there is a second to set alongside it. Love others as well as you love yourself. So you circled love the Lord, now circle love others, and then circle love yourself. So we've got three things circled. Love the Lord, love yourself, love others. Jesus said these two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hang from them. And I could say this, everything in relationship also hangs on this. Love God, love yourself, love others. I want to have great relationships in my life. I want to have great friends. Very good. Love God, love yourself, love others. Number one, our relationship with God. To know that he loves us is to know that he's been thinking about us. Do you know God was thinking about you this morning? Before your feet hit the floor, when you jumped out of bed this morning, God thought about you. So, well, how much did he think about me? The Bible says in Psalm uh, 137, he says, he thought more about you than all the sand of the sea. It's on the next page in your notes. Just flip it open there. 139, I should say. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. Look at this. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. So I'd like to add up. How many thoughts did God have about me? Actually, you can't add them up. There's too many. If I should count them, if I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand when I awake. I'm still with you. God's been thinking about you. Now, your mom might not have thought about you this morning. And your girlfriend, I hate to tell you, might not have thought about you this morning. Your spouse may not have thought about you. Your kids might not have thought about you. Your Aunt Mary might not have thought about you. Your favorite aunt. But guess what? God was thinking about you. How much? More than you can count. Well, they must have been bad thoughts. No, they're not bad thoughts. Go back to the previous page, Jeremiah 29, 11. Look at this. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. God obviously knows what he's thinking about us. Ever ask a close friend, what, what are you thinking right now? Cheryl's my best friend. We've been friends for a long time, over 30 years. But sometimes I'll still say, what are you thinking right now? What are you thinking about? I should know what she's thinking already. And usually I do, but sometimes I don't know. Or she'll say to me, Dave, what are you thinking right now? What's going on inside there anyhow? What are you thinking about? God says, let me tell you what I'm thinking about, because I am thinking about you. And so we say, well, God, what are you thinking about us? Have you ever had somebody come at you and say, boy, you've been on my heart this week. I've been thinking about you all week. And you say, what have you been thinking? I've just been thinking what a, what a great friend you are, where I'd be without you, how much you've helped me. What would that do for you? You would, you would just go, it would just lift your sense of worth and value, right? Well, your sense and my sense of worth and value is based on, got to listen carefully to this part, our worth, our value is based on what we think the most important people in our life think about us. So if I am thinking Cheryl thinks good about me, guess what? My worth, my value, my confidence goes up. If I am thinking what God thinks about me, then my worth, my value, my confidence goes up. Well, what is God thinking about me? It says here in Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, and he makes it very clear. 
Because sometimes we think God's thinking evil about us. Oh, God's mad at me for this. He's thinking this about me. He's thinking what I am. And, and he ha- you have all these negative thoughts coming at you. He makes it very clear. I'm thinking thoughts of peace, not of evil. I'm thinking to give you a future and to give you a hope. So it doesn't matter who you are today or what's happened in your life. God was thinking amazing thoughts about you, about your future, and he wants to give you a hope. And that's enough right there. You could just take that home and bank it. And, and you say, well, how, the, how will that affect my relationships? How does that help me to have better relationships and manage relationships? Because if you have, if I have, if I'm thinking, Cheryl thinks good about me. If I'm thinking, God's thinking good about me. My confidence, my worth elevates. Doesn't it make sense that then I'll have more confidence more strength, more security in my relationship with other people. So having good relationships starts with managing a good relationship with God the Father. And that relationship is possible because of what Christ did for us. We were pushed away from God. He didn't push away from us. We, in what we did, our sin built a gap. And so Jesus comes, he builds a bridge for us so that we can have this relationship with him. Not based on what we did, but based on what he did for us. We can have an amazing relationship with God. So, in having good relationships, number one, is you have to have this relationship with God. That's a foundation. That's an anchor. It's it's what we can build our other relationships upon. Secondly, we love God. We also have to love ourselves. Because he said, love others, love your neighbor like you love yourself. So, if you don't like you, if you don't love yourself... You know what's going to come out? You're not going to like others. So the Lord here has given us instruction on how to good relationships. Love God. Love yourself. You'll love others. How many here this morning, along with me, how many here could like yourself a little more? All right. That's most of us. I had a friend one time, and he said to me, I was in a kind of a challenging season in my life, going through stuff. He says, Dave, you know what you need to do? You need to get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, eyeball to eyeball, that person you say in the mirror, and say, I love you. I said, okay. I went home. I tried it. It was really hard to do. To look at that person and say, this is is weird. (laughs) What's this going to do? It just weirded me right out. I said, oh, this is weird. He says, no, no, just keep doing it. You need to be able to look at that person and honestly say, I love you. Because if we love us, we'll love others. You say, well, that sounds kind of prideful. No, no. Man, if God loves you, it doesn't make sense. You should love you. Rejection and not loving yourself is the root of many relationship problems. And uh, we, we need to learn to appreciate what God's done in our life and who we are. We're all different. And sometimes we get put in this little box that we, we have to be this way. Maybe your parents put you in that box or society puts you in that box or your school puts you in that box and say, okay, this is who you are. You have to be this. Sometimes you need to break the box and say, that's not who I am. My parents meant well. And they put me in a, in, a, in a music program. Yeah. You're not the only one who laughs. My teachers all laugh too. It's like, what's he doing here? I mean, I have some music ability, you know, maybe two of a scale of 10. 
And I could, I could be a four if I worked really hard. I could probably get it up to a four. But in other areas, I have a seven. So it makes more sense to, instead of saying, oh, I, you know, I, oh, I can't do this, I can't do that, no, I don't like myself because I'm not good at music, I'm not good at that. And, you know, I look at the pictures and, man, they're, 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 they look so, you know, handsome, beautiful, whatever it is for you. And, oh, you start comparing yourself to that and you compare yourself to this person and that person. And pretty soon, he's like, oh, man, I don't like myself. Sometimes we have to just take an honest inventory of where we're at of our strengths and weaknesses. That doesn't mean we don't want to improve on things. That means we don't want to change areas of our life that need to be changed. But the idea is to focus on, God, what have, how, how have you made me? And like what God made. In our equipping basis, we have one class called, uh, it's, it's built around an acronym called SHAPE. And we try to figure out what our shape is. Not our physical shape, but our, our soulless shape. What, and our spiritual shape. What are your spiritual gifts? What, what's in your heart to do? What are your abilities? What is your personality? What is your experience of life? God won't waste any of it. This is who you are. And you need to look and say, this is who I am. And I like how God made me. And in that place, there's a place of strength. But if we've suffered in our life, sometimes there's shame or rejection that's come in our life. And we, we didn't even have control of it. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was physical, maybe verbal, or some other kind of abuse. And you've just, now shame and rejection has come in, and you, you can't love yourself. You feel like it was your fault when it wasn't your fault. That's for somebody this morning. And that causes you just to recoil, and you look at me, I can't love that person. God comes along and says, I want to take that past and put it behind you. He'll use it. He'll sanctify it, and you may minister to somebody else's hurt, but that thing will never hold you back. That's not who you are. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he's a new person. Old things have passed away. Everything has become new. And he's saying, love the new you. Love what I've done for you. Love yourself. Love others. You know why? Because you can't, you can't give away something you don't have. You can't export something that you don't have. And if I don't have peace, I can't give away peace. If I don't have joy, I can't give away joy. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, The kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is not food and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. Righteousness, joy, and peace. Satan comes along and he wants to put you in a place of feeling wrong, doing wrong, being wrong. He wants to keep you in that wrong place of condemnation. And Romans says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit in life, in Christ, has set us free from the law of sin and death. There's no condemnation in Christ. He's, he's freed us from that. But the enemy would like to keep us there, remind us all the wrong things we did, and said, that's who you are. No, that's something you did. That's not who you are. And that thing has been forgiven. You know, sometimes, doesn't it take a lot of faith, at least it does for me, sometimes just to accept his forgiveness? I'll go to God and say, God, you know, I blew it. I did this wrong. Shouldn't have done it. You're right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I made a mistake, and I forgive me, and help me not to do it again. And I ask for forgiveness. The silly thing is, about four hours later, I'll go back to God and say, oh, God, please forgive me. I know I did was wrong. Please forgive me. Next day, I'm still feeling a little condemned and guilty. Oh, God, please. No, the first time I prayed, God forgave me. 
It's dealt with. It's gone. Now I just walk by faith that that's not who I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have right standing, not based on what I did, but based on what he did. Let me bring it home closer for us. My kids, my children, they all have right standing with me. Right standing means they can come anytime, stand with me in my presence, and I welcome them and give them a hug anytime. And sometimes at the most inconvenient time, they'll knock on our door. Hey, Dad, can I come in? We can be in our bedroom, and we're just getting ready to go to sleep, and there'll be a knock on the door. Hey, can we come in? Sure. Right standing. So we welcome our children, but they don't always do everything right. I don't do everything right before God, but I am in right standing with him because of what Christ did, not in wrong standing, right standing. So what does that have to do with relationships? Love God, love yourself. But if you're dealing with rejection and, and all that other junk, it's very hard to love others. He gives us righteousness, right standing. He gives us peace. The Bible says he, sh he shed his love abroad in our heart. He gives us joy, love, joy, peace. He puts it into our heart. Let me get Brad to get me a, a cup of water or just a bottle of water. Can you grab me a, a bottle of water? So I ask Brad for some water. Brad looks around and says, oh, Dave, don't have any water. Water's over there. You should be asking somebody over there. I don't have water. I can't give you water. So what does he have to do? He has to go and he goes and gets the water. Then he receives the water, and then he gives me the water. But I can't get water from him because he doesn't have water. And I can't get peace from somebody if they don't have peace. I can't get joy from somebody if they don't have joy. I can't get love from somebody. And I can't give love if I don't have love. And I can't give peace if I don't have peace. What did Brad do? Brad had to go, and then even when it was extended to him, he still had to receive it. If he didn't receive it, he wouldn't have had it. Is this too simple this morning? Because in our relationship, sometimes we're saying to other people in our life, why don't you love me more? Love me. Why don't you love me? Maybe they don't have love. Why don't, where's the peace? How come you're always upset? How come you're always angry? How come, I need some peace in this relationship. Instead of nagging that person for more peace, maybe you should just be praying for that person that God fill their heart with peace. Then they'd have some peace to give. Managing our relationship starts, number one, loving God, loving ourselves. If I have peace, I can give peace. If I have joy, I can give joy. I can give something away that I don't have. I can't give something away I don't have. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. But I can't enjoy the life if I don't first put God's life in my heart and love what God's doing in my own life. Amen? Does that make sense? I think... Some people maybe are even just addicted to guilt. They don't feel right unless they feel wrong. They built, they've lived in that kind of wrong sense for so long, they don't know that you can feel right and love yourself. Number one, love God. Number two, love others. And then, or love yourself. Then thirdly, you can love others. Our relation with others. That's the third one. When you choose your friends, you choose your destiny. When you choose your friends, you choose the quality of life you enjoy. Your relationships are a reflection of the inner you. 
if I would go to Brad, picking on Brad this morning, if I go to Brad and say, Brad, hey, I'd like to come on and hang out with your friends tonight. So Brad says, oh, great, let's go over to this restaurant. We sit down at the restaurant, and all Brad's friends are there. All night long, we talk, we laugh, we share a meal together. At the end of the night, I know Brad, because those friends are a reflection of Brad. And if you invited, if you said, hey, Dave, I want to come and meet you and hang out with your friends, and you came and met me and hung out with my friends, you would know me, because my friends would be a reflection of me. So when we choose our friends, we want to choose carefully. That doesn't mean we're not kind to everyone. We're kind to our neighbor. The Bible says to love your neighbor. But there are certain people that you'll choose to be friends in your life. Well, how do I choose those friends? Again, a healthy relationship with God, a healthy relationship with yourself will help you choose healthy friends. Sometimes we choose wrong friends and we choose people that are in the wrong place in their life because of where we are in our life. And even subconsciously, we're attracted to the rejection they have because we haven't dealt with the rejection in our own heart. And it just pulls us further away from healthy relationships. So how do I choose my relationships wisely? Number one, pray earnestly about the close relationships you choose. This is what our Lord did. In Luke chapter 6, 12 and 13, it says, One day soon afterwards, Jesus went to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. This is our Lord. He prays all night long about who are going to be the apostles. And he, later on, he calls, I call you friends. So if our Lord spent a night in prayer about the relationships that would be close to him, that probably is a good idea for us. We're not above our master. Then we likewise should be praying about the right relationships to have in our life. Now, let me back up a bit. Why is it so important that we have this good relationship with the Father and good relationship with ourselves? Because in our friendships, choosing the right friends, we can be led by peace and joy. The Bible says, be led forth by peace. And sometimes you, you can't always tell what that person's like right away. And you put your time, your energy, developing a friendship with them, and it turns out not to be a healthy friendship or relationship. However... If this relationship with God is solid and you know and you've received that peace in your heart, the Holy Spirit will lead you into good relationships. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And maybe you're single here today and you're praying for the right person to marry. It would be really important to say, God, lead me into the right relationship. Guide me. And, he, and it can look really good. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and he will direct your paths. And sometimes with relationship, it looks really good in our head, but our heart's saying, no peace, no peace. So we have to be led forth by peace. But if that God relationship isn't solid, then relationship with others can go awry. So it's really important to have that first, then love yourself, and then love others. Proverbs 12, 26 says, a righteous that chooses friends carefully, for the way of wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 14, 7, stay away from fools, for you won't find knowledge there. So praying is huge for picking the right relationships. Then also asking yourself, do they bring out the best in me? Do they receive from me? Do they rejoice with me? Uh, Cheryl's my best friend next to the Lord. She's my best friend. Uh, we've been friends for 33 years. Uh, our engagement anniversaries coming up in December. Guys, remember the dates. I don't know what it is, but just remember the dates. I put the wedding, my wedding date, I had it engraved inside my wedding ring. 
and even then. And it's an easy one. Five, six, seven, eight. Fifth month, six days, 78. Five, six, seven, eight. But even then. Remember the dates. Best friend. What was I going to say? <laughs> best friend. She brings out the best of me. Uh, friends will do that. You ask yourself, do they bring out the best of me or do they bring out the worst of me? Sometimes we counsel people and uh, they're in a relationship and they're so beat up, they're so dragged down. They say, why are you in that relationship? They're not bringing the best in you. They're beating you up. You're worse. You feel worse today. They've pulled you from your family, not to your family. Oh, who's that for this morning? If you have a nice family, a good mom, a good dad, not perfect, but they're a good mom and good dad, and you start dating somebody and they pull you from that family, that's called a red flag, not a yellow flag. Because that's the best in you. A good family is a good thing. And they start pulling you from that, then you go, wait a minute, something's wrong with this picture. They're not bringing out the best in me. That's a good quality in my life is a family that I have. Even if your family is far from perfect, you never want to pull somebody from their strengths. Oftentimes people are pulling you down because they're down themselves. They don't like themselves, so they're not really going to like you. Do they bring out the best to me? I failed math 10. Went to my teacher and begged her. I got 48%. I figured I could negotiate 50%. Couldn't do it. I needed a negotiation class or something. I couldn't get it. She said, no, you have to do it over again. So I did math 10 over again. Barely got through. Got through grade 11, grade 12. Went to university. Got like 65%. Wasn't doing that great in math. Enough to get through my classes. Then I got married. And... Cheryl, I'm studying calculus, and she says, oh, Dave, you're, you're doing all the questions. Great. And I was 2 o'clock in the morning, I'm studying. She just, you're going to do great on this exam. You think so? Oh, yeah, you'll do good. And you know the biggest difference I had between before and later was I just had somebody who brought out the best at me. I got, I aced the course, did great in it. But it's just her confidence in me lifted my confidence. And you want to have people that are close to you that bring out the best in you. And sometimes you have friends for a season, relationship for a season, but the season goes. Now, if you're married, you're married. You got that, okay? Don't say, oh. <laughs> Honey, the season's over. The pastor said, it ain't going to be done. <laughs> no, no, no. You said for life, all right? Don't. <laughs> I say a lot of things I don't say. You'll catch that later. Anyhow. <laughs> do they bring out the best to me? I've got to wrap this up. Do they have the same values and convictions that I do? Don't be deceived. Evil company will corrupt your good habits. No, next one, don't limit yourself to first impressions and those in your inner circle. That's important. Because sometimes when we're building relationships, we're, we, we take a read on somebody, and as the saying goes, you don't judge a book by its cover. And we live in a, a great community. Vancouver is a great community. Our our, our church is a great community. Like we said, there's close to 60 different nationalities in our church. And sometimes you can say, maybe go down for coffee afterwards. You're going to go get your free Tim Hortons coffee after the service or your cup of tea or you're going to get your apple or whatever we have after the service downstairs. And, and you look over there and you see somebody by themselves. Chip was talking earlier in that little video about, you know what, what am I going to do? How am I going to reach out and go talk to somebody else? You can say, well, I'm new. I don't, I don't do that. They have to come talk to me. you got to... Reverse that, they're probably new too. So now you've got something in common. But you just, you get out of your comfort zone, walk across the room and just say, hey, how's it going? 
And uh, instead of, oh, they're not, they're not from my country, or they're, they're we, we just, by that first impression, we could write off a really great relationship. I'm so glad my wife didn't do that to me, because her first impression of me was not very good. Uh, talking about making a bad first date impression. Guys, I, I committed a classical mistake. Uh, I'll teach you by my mistakes this morning, okay? Because I, I called Cheryl up. I wanted to go on a date with her. She would cut hair on campus, and in my opinion, and unfortunately in other guys' opinions as well, she was the best-looking lady on campus. And so I was pursuing her, and I wanted to go on a date with her. So she cut hair on campus, so I got my hair cut a lot. In those days, it took a little longer than it does today. <laughs> so I would go, I'd get my hair cut, and uh, Cheryl was there. And so one day I asked her on a date, and, and she kindly accepts my invitation. And I'm going, wow, yay. So I'm kind of nervous, and I go out to my car, and I'm, I'm waiting on my car. She's not there, so I just sit on the hood, and I'm just waiting on the hood, hanging out, waiting, waiting. Check my watch. Five minutes goes by. This girl's late. Where is she? Where, you know where she was? She was up in her room watching me the whole time. She said, when is that jerk going to get up here and actually ring the doorbell and invite me and escort me to the car? So the first impression wasn't very good. I don't know if you thought jerk, but what's that? It just got better and better. Thank you. Anyhow, the first impression. I'm so glad you didn't write me off on the first impression. You know, there's a lot of great relationships we can have in our life if we're just secure enough in our relationship with God and others to realize that, you know, there's, some, there's more to this person maybe what I saw. I'm going to keep working at developing relationships. They may be older than you, by the way, too. They may be younger than you. They may be from another country. We're a pretty mixed bag here. And if you want to enjoy what God has in your life, one of the greatest things we have is we are created for a relationship. Let's manage it well. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop, then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.